This is Jeff Billard from Sonic Echo, and you're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind, in association with Morbid Butterfly, proudly presents our 2015 Halloween special, Opferon, written, produced, and directed by Miss Crystal Donahue. The dress hid my face. As long as she can't see my face, I am safe. As long as I swing back and forth with the wind, I am safe. As long as I relax and let my body sway naturally, she'll forget about me. Right? That's what the dream said. Be still. Be quiet. Just relax. Charlotte hung in front of me, directly facing me. Tony's coming back for us, right? I didn't answer her. Fear creeped up my spine, and I tried not to shiver. Natalie! Natalie, come on! Natalie, you... Answer me! You're really scaring me! But I couldn't answer. Charlotte was trying to draw her close to us. Didn't she know? She'd lived here her whole life. A hand brushed against my ankle. Ah! Tony! Is that you? I felt someone come between Charlotte and me. I kept my body limp, despite my fear. Tony! Please, cut us down! Now, speak to me! I think she's dead! Tony! Please! Tony, please! Charlotte was whimpering and pleading to the person that stood in front of her. I wanted to speak, but... Tony! What if it wasn't Tony? There's somebody there. What if it was her? The sorceress of Blood Moon Hill. I moved to Earl Grove about a month and a half ago, just before Halloween. Tony is my neighbor. He was the very first person that I met, and he was also the one to show me around school. Well, welcome to Earl Grove High School. He began his tour of the school. Yeah, most of the school's preparing for Halloween, and, well, there's a party held at my house every year. The Sorceress Ball. The Sorceress's Ball? Yeah, it's where we celebrate one of the local monsters of the area. <laughs> oh, this is one of those towns. <laughs> yeah, something like that. A girl came running up to Tony, jumping up and down. Tony! Tony! Do you have a date to the ball yet? She asked, still quivering with anticipation and excitement. Well, Charlotte, I might if you ask me. He answered, tapping her nose. Charlotte nodded. So would she... Hey, who's the new girl? Hi, I'm Natalie. I just moved in next to Tony and, well, he was nice enough to show me around. I told her and held out my hand. She immediately took it, smiling. I'm Charlotte, school news article writer extraordinaire. 
<laughs> I'm going to be taking notes of the sorcerer's fall, giving an article detailing about the legend for the newspaper for the Halloween edition. So, Tony, want to be my date? I wouldn't have it any other way. He answered with a cocky smirk on his face. Anyways, I think Charlotte should show you around. She's probably a much better guide than I am. Uh, so I'll walk you home later then, Natalie? Okay? Okay, thanks. I nod and smile at Charlotte. You really like him, huh? Charlotte's face turned a little red. <laughs> that obvious, huh? Just a little bit. So, um... I have psych for first block. Room... 214. Can you help me find it? Oh yeah, of course. Charlotte quickly led me around the school, telling me how the school was set up and broken down as we walked. After a rush up the stairs, we'd found room 214 tucked away in a small corner of the building. Charlotte smiled and snatched my schedule straight off my books. Ooh, we have lunch together. Just come sit with me, okay? Uh, uh okay. She handed me back my schedule and waved, walking off back down the stairs. I ducked inside my classroom, quickly taking a seat. Good morning, class. Good morning, Mr. Drexel. Today we will be discussing mass hysteria. I think it's appropriate, given the current seasonal time. What with magic, bad luck, vampires, witches, and monsters. Now, probably one of the most infamous examples of mass hysteria comes from the Salem Witch Trials where there were questionable convictions carried out by the people in a small colonial town in Massachusetts back in 1692 and 3. Now who can tell me what were some of the reasons why the people of Salem started prosecuting these women? Yes, Mr. Locke. Fear? But of what? Witchcraft? But the source. What is the source of the fear? Bad things happening around town. The girl's epileptic fits. Religion. Ah, yes! Religion. That is the answer I was looking for. Religion! Exodus 22:18. Thou shall not suffer a witch to live. Mr. Drassel began feverishly writing on the board as he spoke. Now this is often a very misquoted passage. Some claim it means poisoner based on an old Greek word. However, this is the original Hebrew. Mechyasef lo tiencha. Let's now take a look at the word mechshofa, which roughly translates into a person using spoken spells or words to harm someone or their property. Sometimes it's given a more specific work of a sorcerer or sorceress. Now who can tell me who this applies to in our town of Earl Grove? Anyone? Come on now. You're not supposed to talk about her, except on her celebration. <sighs> See? Hysteria, paranoia, superstition. Even here in the classroom, you are all feeding into the idea 
that if you talk about the sorceress of Blood Moon Hill, that you will all be at her mercy on the night of a total lunar eclipse, unless you speak in honor of her and her story. At least that's how the legend goes, right? The room was quiet. The room was so still and you could almost feel the fear building up in the entire room. But Mr. Drassel didn't stop. Just like in Salem, you all feel that fear of a woman who by all intents and purposes should be long dead. A story passed around for so long that you believe it. Just like if you break a mirror, you get seven years bad luck. Stories! They're all just stories designed to cause fear, panic, and paranoia among large groups of people. He continued to go on talking, giving more and more examples of specific superstitions and their sources throughout history. But no one would answer his questions anymore. It was as though talk of her had silenced them. The day passed quickly, until lunch arrived and I found Charlotte waving as soon as I walked in the door. Tony was sitting right next to her. No one else in the school had bothered to talk to me, so I joined them without even really thinking about it. Besides, I had hoped maybe they could give me some insight on my morning psych experience. Hey, how was your first day so far? Charlotte said, still with a chipper little smile on her face. In fact, up until tonight... I had never seen her be anything but happy and curious. A, a little weird, I responded, sitting down and starting to unpack my lunch. Well, why didn't you tell us about it? Tony nodded to me. Okay, so my psych teacher was talking about superstitions and the Salem witch trials and the sorceress of the blood moon. Charlotte darted over the table and covered my mouth. It's all right, Natalie. You don't know we don't talk about her. Except the night of the sorceress ball. Charlotte assured me, moving her hand away from my mouth. But you're doing an article on her, I questioned, raising an eyebrow. Yes, but I'm going to write all of it before the ball ends. See, when dealing with her, you have to play it smart. She hears everything and knows exactly who's talking about her and how she's being talked about. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is starting to sound like some stupid horror movie plot. I started to get up from the table, ready to dismiss the whole idea of this town and its dumb legend. Natalie, wait. Tony grabbed my arm. Come to the ball. It's in her honor. And plenty of people will be talking about her. Yeah, besides, it'll be a lot of fun. Natalie, come on. I sighed and sat back down. I'll think about it, okay? Both of them nodded, and no one spoke another word about her. The rest of the school day passed without any event, and Tony stood outside my last class. You ready for me to walk you home? Sure. We walked in silence out of the school and onto the sidewalk. I... I want to take you somewhere, okay? Somewhere very special. I don't know that you should. You want to know about her, don't you? But I thought you said you weren't supposed to talk about her. You can either follow me or not. Then he turned, heading off into the forest. 
I debated for a few minutes. And I have to admit, at the time, I was deathly curious to know about this strange legend that so many people feared. And in the end, I did follow him through the trees. He took a long path, and soon I could tell we were heading uphill. I struggled to keep up with Tony, who it seemed like took this path often enough for it not to be a struggle for him. He came up to a tree, but this tree was different from the other trees in the forest. Most of them were covered with limbs protruding at every angle. But this tree, its only branch of note was a thick, low-hanging one that couldn't have been more than two people high. It was creepy, and I felt like I was standing in front of a gallows. What is this place? This is her place. He answered, touching the tree. Here's where it all happened. I came closer to the tree, despite my fear. He continued. The sorceress of the Blood Moon used this tree to communicate with her gods. Dressed in her finest clothes, she would come and hang herself upside down by that branch until she achieved enlightenment. Until she could hear the voices of her gods. Then, when she finished her communion with her gods, she would awake on the forest floor, safe and sound with them pleased by her visit with them. She must have been insane. Hanging like that will kill you if you do it for too long. Well, my father told me that his great-great-grandfather was in love with the sorceress, and every night she left her house, he would come and get her down after, only after, she had drifted off into her meditative state. He said she only ever communed with her gods on the night of the total lunar eclipse, which is also called the Blood Moon. Okay, well, this isn't that scary so far. One night, my great-great-great-grandfather was late coming out of the tree on the night of the blood moon. When he arrived, he saw the woman he loved kissing another woman. He was enraged, to say the least, and left the two women alone. The next morning, the sorceress came back as though he had been there to cut her down. My great-great-great-grandfather couldn't believe it and had no idea how she had gotten herself down, unless it had to do with the lover that the sorceress had brought with her. So, my great-great-great-grandfather began to spread stories about the sorceress and her lover. He said that they were evil and had cast evil magic upon the town. And let me guess, she was lynched by the town at this very tree. No, no, that's not it at all. She admitted to her magic freely long before that, and Earl Grove profited from her presence. They didn't do a thing to her. She eventually came to my great-great-great-grandfather and spoke to him. She stated that she did not appreciate the lies and slander that he had spread about her. That she merely communed with her gods that night, and that was all he had seen. My great-great-great-grandfather could not accept that. And so she offered that on the next blood moon, she could take him with her to prove that she was telling the truth. He agreed. But I'm assuming that this is not a happily ever after story. No. The next day, the sorceress and my great-great-great-grandmother were found hanging from the tree, dead. Their dresses covered their faces, and when the police found them, their throats had been slit and blood had pooled at the base of the tree. My great-great-great-grandfather was arrested and said that, well, the witch had been training his wife in the art of witchcraft, so he was glad they were both dead. 
He proceeded to say that only bad things would happen to the town if they were to remain alive. My great-great-grandfather backed him up and- And your great-great-great-grandfather was pardoned. No, my great-great-great-grandfather was hung. The town still found his crimes heinous. So that doesn't tell me why no one is allowed to talk about her. It seems silly because it doesn't seem like she did anything. I wasn't done, you know. What more can there be? My great-great-grandfather proceeded to stage accidents on every blood moon following his father's death. All in the name of the sorceress of Blood Moon Hill. People died and so people began to curse her name. They started to say that she must have been evil. And then they started to praise my great-great-great-grandfather. Her spirit must have lived on in hatred. Because now, we find women have come up to this tree and hung themselves upside down. Young women, all perished, throats slit. Anyone who dares speak ill of her, they lose their wives, their daughters, their sisters. And if there are no women in the family? They meet their deaths by the hands of a young woman. You can't be serious. I am. Suddenly a body swung down from the tree and I screamed, jumping back. <laughs> I want to slit your throat! Charlotte's voice growled out as she swung towards me. Tony started laughing and grinned <laughs> wolfishly at me. Uh, that's not funny, guys! <laughs> oh, come on. It's just a joke we play on all the new girls. I started to walk away. Natalie! Natalie, come back! Natalie, come back! It was a joke! But I didn't come back. I was furious. I couldn't believe that they would do that to me. I didn't understand that that was what set everything in motion. Not even that night when the dreams began. I was at the tree. That same tree that Tony and Charlotte had led me out to. The same tree that filled me with fear. And I quivered at the sight. I looked around and saw Charlotte standing there in a black dress and high heels. Tony put his hand on my shoulder. Come on, Natalie, we've got to get set up. They're coming this way. Set up for what? The prank! Everyone is going to flip! It'll be the best Halloween prank they've ever seen! <laughs> Charlotte exclaimed, starting to climb up onto the limb. Although how she did it in those heels baffled me. <laughs> there we go. Do you hear that? Someone is calling my name. I don't like this. I want to go home. Ah, uh, don't chicken out now. We need you. It'll only be for a couple of minutes. Then I'll be back to help get you down, okay? Fine. Tony helped me up onto the tree. And soon, I hung right in front of Charlotte. The dress hid my face. Keep still, she can't see you if you're still. Charlotte! Charlotte, I hear something! You're probably just hearing the people Tony's bringing, just shh. Keep quiet, she can't hear you if you're quiet. However, I did not hear the chorus of the crowd coming, just the night air and these whispers. My breathing grew heavier and heavier. 
The whisper came closer and closer. It felt as though it passed through me. I felt a hand grab my ankle, and I whimpered in fear. Tony? Keep still. Keep quiet. Where are the people? I kept still and silenced my whimpers. Keep covered. Keep limp. I relaxed all the muscles in my body and breathed very slowly. Keep your head. I could hear Charlotte start to scream. I wanted to tense, but the hand was still on my ankle. So I didn't move. I just hung there and waited for it to end. Keep still. Keep quiet. Keep covered. Keep in. Charlotte's screaming stopped and I felt the hand release my ankle. She will use it in a stew. She will make a special brew. She will be born anew. She will become you. The voice trailed off and away, and I slowly lifted the dress covering my face, reaching over to Charlotte and pulling the dress to reveal that, as the whisper had said, she had no head. Then I woke up. I dreamt this dream over and over. If I spoke, if I moved, if I tried to see who did this, if I tensed up, I died every time. But if I kept still, kept quiet, kept covered and kept limp, I lived. And Charlotte lost her head. I couldn't tell what was real. Tony strung us up again. Maybe now I was just dreaming again. Maybe I could still stop this, but I didn't hear the whisper tonight. I closed my eyes and listened harder. The creaking from our bodies swinging back and forth was my only comfort. Please, let this just be a dream again. Natalie. Maybe it was still a dream. Natalie. Natalie. Don't let her be born anew. Save that. Charlotte screamed again, like she has so many times before. And tonight I didn't bother to check if she had her head.
I bolted up in my bed and looked directly at the clock. Noon. October 31st. Night of the Sorceress's Ball. I had forgiven Charlotte and Tony for the little prank on me about a week after it happened, and we had begun to grow close. However, today was the day that my dream kept warning me about. I had debated about going to the Sorceress's Ball, but now I knew that I had to. I had to figure out how this happened. If I didn't go, Charlotte or Tony would die. I just knew it. I quickly got dressed and went over to Charlotte's house, which turned out was right across the street from my own. Hey, Nat, come on in. What brings you over here? Uh, well, um, I couldn't just outright tell her. Hey, I've been having these weird dreams and we're gonna die if we try to pull a prank about the sorceress tonight. She would have never believed me. She would have just laughed it off. I, I can't find a good dress to go tonight, so I think I'm not going. That's no good. Hmm. Hey, why don't you try on one of my dresses? Oh, I know. We could go as creepy Halloween twins. Charlotte exclaimed, clapping her hands together. Right? I mean, that'd be a cool idea. Sure, that sounds like fun. Charlotte ran upstairs and soon came down with two black dresses with sheer skirts and two pairs of black eye heels. Just like the ones we'd worn in my dream. I, uh... I don't know that I can pull off black too well, Char. Don't be silly. It'll look great on you. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. Here, let me help you with your makeup. She sat down in front of me with a bag of makeup in her hands as well. You okay, Natalie? You're as pale as a ghost. What's up? I... I was wondering if you'd ever heard this phrase in regard to the sorceress. K keep still. She can't see you if you're still. Keep quiet. She can't hear you if you're quiet. Keep covered. She'll think you're already dead if your face is covered. Keep limp. She has to think you're dead. Otherwise, she'll take your head. Keep your head. She wants to use it in a stew. Keep your head. She wants to make a special brew. Keep your head. She wants to become you. Keep your head. Don't let her be born anew. Nope, never heard it before. Scary, though. Ugh. Oh my god, you should tell Tony. Maybe he'll incorporate it into tonight's retelling of the legend. No, 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 I don't, I don't think so. Close your eyes. It's just something silly I heard. No! No, 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 no. It's really good. Super spooky. And that's what tonight is all about. And I gotta tell you, I'm so glad. So glad that you're dressing up with me. We're going to prank everyone at Tony's party. Pucker up. So after Tony tells the story, similar to the one he told you, we're going to go up to the Blood Moon Hill and hang there to scare everyone. <laughs> I've got some makeup to make our throats look slit. It's going to be super fun. Please say you'll come with me. I don't want to hang by myself again, okay? Also, 
it'll make it double creepy because it'll be like the two women from Tony's story. Blot. She handed me a tissue and I blotted the lipstick on it. Don't you ever worry about hurting yourself? No, Tony helps me down. <laughs> We'd be okay, I promise. Besides, tonight is a total lunar eclipse. It's perfect for it. Tony's been planning this for months. And I just want it to be perfect. Fine, I'll go. Just to keep an eye on you. She hugged me tightly. Aww, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, now go get dressed while I go do mine. I turned from her, starting to get dressed in the clothes that had been my death shroud for so many nights. Hey, Char? What's up? Promise me something. Okay. Promise me that while we do this prank, you'll keep still and quiet and limp. It'll add dramatic effect, no matter what happens. Okay? Sure, I have no problem with that. Good. Charlotte and I went over to Tony's house early. Charlotte told him everything about what she wanted to do, and he was more than pleased with the idea of it. The ball came and started. People began dancing and drinking. But all I could think about was the prank that we were about to pull. Even as Tony droned that exact same story, I felt the fear creeping up, especially as that whisper came in. Liar. Liar. Was I dreaming again? He knows nothing. Keep still. Keep quiet. After she had drifted into Keep covered. He said that she Keep Keep your head. But the whisper came only closer, and I ended up leaving the room. Is something the matter, Miss Lewis? I jumped and turned to face my psych teacher, Mr. Drassel. Mr. Drassel? What are you doing here? Tony invited me. He said he wanted me to get the real story about the sorceress, so that maybe I would respect her a little bit better. <laughs> Rather than calling her an overhyped figure used to instill fear from the masses. I, I see. Then you should probably get back in there and finish listening to the story. <laughs> no. No, he's lying, you can tell. You see, his somberness is far too faked and over the top. He tells the story like it's been rehearsed a thousand times. It's lacking that genuinity. So I figured I'd come outside and stare at the moon. Although I thought you'd still be in there. I've heard the story before. Tony and I are neighbors. Besides, it's a, it's a nice night out. Yes, it is. Am I correct in saying that you moved here not too long ago? A month and a half ago. What about you? You don't seem well acquainted with the local legend. No, and I don't think these youngsters are either. I'm pretty sure if their parents or grandparents knew what really happened, they'd want it buried deep. Although I heard a little ditty from the mayor one time. Keep still. Keep quiet. Keep covered. Keep, keep limp. limp. Keep your head. Oh. 
So you've heard it. Sort of. No, no, no. No, you've heard it. You look way too scared to have not heard it before. Who did you hear it from? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Oh, you might be surprised. Charlotte peeked out from behind a corner and motioned me to come to her. I... I... I'm, I'm sorry. Mr. Drassel, I have to go. It's time, Natalie. Charlotte started leading me into the woods behind Tony's house, a bag thrown over her shoulder. Do you remember what I told you, Char? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep quiet and stay still. Keep still, keep quiet, keep covered, keep limp. After all, you want them to think we're really dead, don't you? I answered as we made our way up the hill, with great difficulty due to our high-heeled shoes. I got it, I got it. The moon was slowly turning a blood-red color as the earth began its pass between the sun and the moon. The light pulled down and bathed the tree in an eerie light. I went to the tree, touching it slowly. I need to do this makeup on the both of us. It doesn't have to be good. It's dark enough. No one will notice fast enough anyway. Charlotte muttered, completely focused on what she was doing. Shivers ran down my spine. The whispers hadn't begun. Was this a dream? Or was this the real deal this time? She soon finished with my neck. Go ahead and climb up. I'm going to rig you first. Are, are you sure you want to do this? I just have a bad feeling. What if something goes wrong? Don't worry, I've been practicing. Trust me, I can get us all set up in no time. Just climb up. I don't I don't know if I can in these shoes. Don't worry. I'll hold them for you. Here. Uh, okay. I muttered and slipped them off, handing them to her. She climbed up after me, two lengths of rope in her hands. She began to tie the ropes to the tree quickly and easily. A practice motion, just like in Tony's story. I swallowed hard. It was happening. Really happening. And if Charlotte didn't listen, she was going to die. She then began to tie the rope around my legs, binding them together in a strong knot. I was starting to panic. I'd heard the whispers before. Where are they now? Why aren't they here? This one is real. I don't want it to be real. Why did I think I could stop it? Why didn't I just stay home and stay away from this? She finished on me, and I held onto the branch as she leaned back against the trunk of the tree, beginning to tie herself. Now I'll just wait for Tony to swing by and check on us, and then we'll drop down and be all set, okay? Right. It's going to be fine, and you're going to laugh at yourself later for being so nervous. Trust me, this is going to be the greatest rush you'll ever experience. I could vaguely see her smile in the darkness, totally pleased with herself. We sat and waited for a long while. We waited and waited, but no one came. Oh, damn. He must have forgotten to check. I hear voices. Go ahead and drop down carefully. All right, you go first. But I didn't hear any voices. 
I didn't hear a crowd coming. I didn't hear Tony's booming voice. I didn't hear the whispers. All I heard were the crickets chirping in the night air. I slowly dropped myself down and I felt the rope strain and my legs tighten. My ankles popped and it felt uncomfortable as hell. I made sure the dress drooped over my face and then I let my arms hang down. I heard Charlotte drop down next to me. Remember, no matter what, keep still, keep quiet, keep covered, keep limp. Got it. Fear crept down my spine. Time was ticking by, the eclipse growing in power. Soon the moon would be totally eclipsed by the earth. We were now at the beginning of my dream. The dress hid my face. As long as she can't see my face, I am safe. As long as I swing back and forth with the wind, I am safe. As long as I relax and let my body sway naturally, she'll forget about me. Right? That's what the dream said. Be still. Be quiet. Just relax. And this time Charlotte said nothing. The whispers did not come. All there were was the sound of the night air. Slowly the wind began to pick up in whistles through all the trees. No. No, that wasn't a whistle. It was a woman. No, a man. In the forest, talking. And it was coming closer. Give thine head up around, so I may be born anew. Give thine head up around, so we may celebrate Das Blood Mund. Give thine head up around, so you may rise. Give thine head up around, so we may rule. Keep still up around, keep silence up around, cover thine face. Loosen thine limbs, Aparam, and offer Ehern Freund. Give thine head, Aparam, dust blood moon is calling. Give thine head, Aparam, fear can no longer stop you. Give thine head, Aparam, Ehern Freund, nudist. The man and woman's voice intertwined, the woman calling to the man. The man repeating the words. I felt the hand on my ankle and heard the snap of the rope. I swallowed hard. The person cradled me and set me onto my feet. The dress fell from my face and I stared into the eyes of Mr. Drassel. But Mr. Drassel wasn't there anymore. All I saw in Mr. Drassel's eyes was red. He patted me on the head and in the voice mixed with the woman, he said... You have done well, Troy mankind. My voice was caught in my throat. It was as though there were icy fingers wrapped around it. Keep still, keep quiet, keep limp. I did not tense, I did not move. I just stood there. You may go now, Troy mankind. You will go, Troy mankind. For mine opferung must give her head to me. Mr. Drassel steadied me and I felt my body turn away against my will. 
but I never heard Charlotte scream, and I never even thought to turn back. I ran out of the forest and jumped straight into bed where I dreamed of Charlotte's severed head screaming at me. The next morning, I awoke and got ready for school like I always did. I went down the stairs. My mother stopped me in the kitchen. Honey? Yeah, Mom? We need to talk. Sit down. I sat down at the kitchen table. Mom's eyes were red and puffy. My heart sunk and I knew what she was going to say. Charlotte was dead. Our neighbor Tony, the boy you go to school with, honey... He's been... He's been murdered. What? I know. But apparently one of the teachers showed up at his party and went nuts. Seven kids were murdered. I am just so relieved that you came home safe. And if you don't want to go to school today, I'd understand. Her hand brushed my shoulder lightly as she passed me, and I put my face in my hands. Tony was dead. Why? How? Mr. Drassel. He'd been taken, used, by the sorceress of the Blood Moon. Charlotte. I needed to know if they'd found- Honey, you've got a visitor. Hi, Nat. How are you? I turned my gaze to the door and stared in disbelief at my friend's face. Charlotte? You're okay. You kind of ditched me last night. That's a little rude, don't you think? Oh my god. What happened last night? I thought you... I paused in mid-sentence, and I noticed as I stared into her blue eyes that there was a red ring around her pupil. You... You're not Charlotte. You're... Her. I whispered, my voice catching in my throat. Don't worry, Troy Mankind. We're, We're friends now. We're, We're friends. You don't have to worry about a thing. The sorceress and my friend hugged me closely, stroking my hair. I could see my mother in the living room watching the news as they arrested Mr. Drassel. He screamed over the microphone. Please, please, I swear to God, I didn't do it. I did not hurt those kids. Please. I shivered in the hands of the sorceress. Do not fear mine, Opharam. I will not harm you. I will not ever harm you. She continued to whisper and coax, but I shoved her away and darted out the door. In her wake, blood will follow. And while the sorceress of Blood Moon Hill did not take Charlotte's head, she did steal her body and destroyed her mind utterly. Charlotte is gone. Only the sorceress remains, but that last image of her will stick with me forever. She just waved at me, just like it was a goodbye. She smiled as though she was certain that she was going to see me again but I won't ever stop moving. She used the German word for offering or sacrifice, 
when she spoke about Charlotte and me. Opferung. No. It isn't that I won't stop moving. I can't. Because I refuse to be anyone's sacrifice. You have been listening to Opferung, written, directed, and produced by Miss Crystal Donahue. Starring the voice talents of Crystal Donahue as Natalie, Joshua Price as Tony, Tanya Milevich as Charlotte, Jordan J. Scavone as Mr. Drassel, Elizabeth Liu as Student A, Nicole Robinson as Student B, Thomas Knight as Student C, Scott A. Love as Student D, Richard Garner as Locke, Deborah Adams as Natalie's mom, Kristen Mass as the voice of the ghost, and Crystal Donahue as the sorceress of Blood Moon Hill. This audio presentation falls under a 3.0 Creative Commons license. Music for this audio drama was obtained from Kevin McLeod, Miyuji, and Desperate Measures. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed Opferon. Happy Halloween. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen, the demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, bring you Twisted Pulp Magazine, a journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed, worlds of the supernatural, worlds of dark satire, worlds of nightmarish futures, Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. Twisted Pulp Magazine.